Good morning. Good morning. Here's a song I wrote called Pray. Amongst everyone else Trying to get away But Lord, I know That you love me so That will never change hey, You gotta pray Sometimes read between the lines It's hard to tell the truth from the lies But Lord, I know I can follow my soul Because it's guided by your light Thank you, Dylan. It is great to have you here. And as a talented young man, thank you. Thank you so much for allowing God to speak through you. Uh, it's a blessing to be here today and, and uh, joy to see you. At summertime, a lot of times people you know, scatter, have vacations and different things, family visiting, and, and it is a joy to see each of you here. And a tremendous summer. God's blessed us with a beautiful day. It's not so hot. Uh, I called a guy yesterday, Dr. Lynn Buzzard, who's retired from Campbell University, about something, and, and Lynn made the comment. He said, I've been walking around my yard and down the street, and he's, he's, he's got, uh, Lynn's got a few health issues. He said, the last couple of weeks when I did that, I needed an ambulance to follow me to make sure I made it back to my house. He said, today it's been nice. So uh, God's blessed us with a few days of cool weather, particularly considering it's July. And uh, he's just blessed us, and it's refreshing, and 
Uh, even this week won't be quite so, so bad as it usually is in July. So we praise the Lord uh, for every little blessing he gives us and then also those huge ones that are just absolutely life-changing. So it's a blessing to have you here. And what, uh, what we've been looking at a, a couple of weeks, actually, and, and looking at today is how we can be the kind of people that are going to be a light for our community, a light through which Jesus Christ shines. And, you know, sometimes... It's easy to know we can, we can read Scripture and understand what God wants us to do. But sometimes we're like the Apostle Paul who said, I, I know the, the good that I want to do, but then I do other things, which I'm paraphrasing it. That's not a quote of Paul. But he said, I don't always do what I want to do. And the question is, well, now why is that a problem for, for all of us, really? I had a friend back in, in uh, college whose nickname was, was Zero, and uh, I don't know why he had that nickname, but his name was Reggie. And uh, Reggie made the comment several times in devotions in different times at, at the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Reggie would say, you know, there are like two dogs that are fighting in my life. There's a, there's a bad dog and there's a good dog. And, and he said, uh, one of my buddies, he was telling the story, he said, one of my buddies asked me, Reggie, well, uh, Zero, which dog wins? And, and uh, Reggie said, well, the dog wins that I feed the most. That's a profound statement. So for you and for me, if we want to be examples of a Christian life and, and we want to, to be people through whom God can work, how can we do it? Well, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul's giving instruction to Timothy, to his, his son in the ministry. And in verses 7 and 8, he says this, But reject profane and old wives, uh, excuse me, wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Bow with me for a moment in prayer, please. Uh, dear God, thank you. Thank you, God, that you give us instruction and you tell us how. You don't just tell us what to do, but you actually do tell us how. Help us to see your words. Help us to respond to you. So we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now they, as I look at this passage, verse 7, exercise yourself toward godliness. That's kind of what Reggie was saying. The dog in, in this battle of life that he had good versus evil, the dog that he fed the most won. This passage reminds me of, of my son's story. That's a, it's a, It's a praise now but it hadn't always been that way when my son was a child and a young teenager he, he never was really really heavy but he's kind of on the pudgy size well then he got the young teenage years he decided that he wanted to lose weight so he he started eating uh fairly healthy food but not so much food and then about the same time he decided he wanted to start lifting weights so he got he went to Kmart or Walmart somewhere and, and got the cheap, you know, weight set, hundred dollars or whatever it was with the plastic sand filled uh, weights, and he started working out. But he was burning some calories, but he wasn't eating that much food. So every week or two, he he'd lose a little bit of weight, half pound here, pound there, and. 
he started going down, 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 and, and this went on. We argued, we fussed, I threatened, and, and all kinds of stuff. He's just going down, down, down. And I kept saying, son, you know, you've got anorexia. No, I don't. I'm, and he said, I know people with anorexia, they don't eat what I do. I said, right, but they aren't lifting weights either. You know, that you may be eating 2,000 calories a day, and they're eating 1,000, but you're burning 3,000 or 2,500, and it's going down, down, down. He got to a point in his early teenage years, the fella, he was, he's almost my height. He's probably five, five, eight, five, nine, something like that. The little fella weighed 96 pounds. So it was just nothing. He was wasting away. And he was wanting to exercise and wanting to, to, to build up his body. But I remember the day he left that store, even though I can't remember what store it was, I remember when he left the store and had those weights in the, the shopping buggy that the salesman at the store laughed at him that he was going to lift weights because he really looked so scrawny and so pitiful. And he'd go out in our garage and he would, he would, he would try to lift weights and, you know, there just there really wasn't much happening, honestly. Well, now... He probably weighs 70 pounds more than he weighed back then, and it's 70 pounds of pure muscle. But this is 8 or 9 or 10 years of, of weightlifting, 12 years maybe of weightlifting. And he started out, when he, when he progressed along, he went from that, that cheap uh, you know, Walmart or Kmart set of weights, then he wanted some real weights. So he came home one day, and the doggone bar weighed 35 pounds. You know, this is the, the steel bar. So I go out in the garage and pick his bar up, and, and he had a, 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 a bench press bench, and I lay down, and I thought, well, I'll, I think I'll pop a few. Well, I did a few with his, you know, 35-pound bar, and I sat it down. And I said, that's, that's good. I'm good. <laughs> when Kent started... That bar, even once he had progressed beyond the cheap weights to the little better ones, that bar was about what he could handle. And he would do his his uh, ten reps of whatever the exercise was, and he'd do one or two sets, and that, that was all. He wasn't accomplishing a lot. Well, now, you know, when he's bench pressing and stuff, he's got, he's got to have spotters because now you're talking hundreds of pounds, and if something happened and the bar fell on him now, it would kill him. And it all happened because of what Paul's telling Timothy here. Exercise yourself toward godliness. Now, in Kent's case, that, was, that particular exercise was physical. Bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So now... For my son, if he, he made a he, he committed himself that he was going to get in better physical shape through eating differently and better physical shape through through exercise, and physically he transformed his life. But as Paul tells Timothy, that that's that's a little bit of good for now. But when you're looking at the long, long term, that isn't going to do anything long term. So for you and for me to be the light bearers for the Lord Jesus Christ, 
sometimes it takes more than just trying harder. It also means we've got to train. Now, when we read Scripture and we see what God wants, and sometimes we're like the Apostle Paul and said, I, I know what I want to do, but I can't do it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching here. I want to be up there, but I'm, I'm down here. How can I achieve, dear God, what you want me to do? And what Paul tells Timothy is you train for it. It's a daily process. You know, my son can't, he, at, at 13 years old, he couldn't go out there and pick up a, a, a bar with 350, 400 pounds to, to squat with it. He couldn't do it. It didn't matter how hard he tried. He couldn't pick the thing up. Now he can. Matter of fact, now it's not that hard for him. So spiritually speaking, for you and me, this is a daily process. So, Bring it back to think about the, the things that we see sometimes. You know, in just a few weeks, those teenage guys are going to be out for, for a summer football practice. Those August football practices. So imagine if the coach showed up to the team on August the 1st or, or whatever day they start practice and said, Listen, guys, I, I've got a new strategy this year. And understand, this is what we're going to do this year. Now, we're, we're not going to practice anymore. No, no summer practice. No after school practice. You don't have to get up in, in the morning and, and, and do your calisthenics and your weightlifting at home. You don't have to go to the weight room at school. Hey guys, we're just going to try hard. But we aren't going to practice. We aren't going to do anything but try. So when the, the, the whistle blows and the, the, the ball is, is kicked off in the first game, we're all, it's everything going to hinge on us just trying harder. How long do you think it would take for one of those guys to step up and say, uh, Coach, all, all due respect, and we do love you, we do appreciate you, but Coach, you know, we got to practice. When I was a, a little kid, that they did this baseball thing in my hometown, and however many teams, I think we had eight. The team I was on, we did, we never practiced ever. We never had a practice. So when we, when I got a little bit older, we'd go to the games, and you're on the same team, you know, forever once you got put on it. I'd go to the games, I'd come home, and I would tell my parents. My dad would say, well, how would y'all do? And I'd say, well, of course we lost. We don't practice. We had a, 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 a color was our name, the oranges, and later on they got fancier and we became the Orioles. But I said, we don't practice. The, the reds and the blues and the greens, they practice, and so, of course, they're better. We'll win every now and then, but generally we didn't. We didn't practice. Well, as a Christian... If a football team, that all they're doing is playing Friday night, you know, life doesn't hinge on that. If they're going to devote themselves and they're going to practice in that hot August sun, sweltering heat, because they want to win on Friday night, how much more, as followers of Jesus Christ, do you and I need to do just what Paul tells Timothy Exercise yourself toward godliness. 
it starts off little by little doing the things that we know to do and we're able to do. And then you and I, sometimes we look at the giants of the faith and we think, oh, oh, to, to be like that. Just like a football player wants to be Tom Brady and, and we look at a Billy Graham and say, oh, to be like him. That man practiced godliness. He didn't just stand up and preach at a crusade. He practiced godly life every day. And as you saw and walked with him through life, you saw it. He was that way, not just in the pulpit or on the platform. He was there every single day. You heard the news interviews and godliness just oozed out of that man because it was who he was. And Paul tells Timothy, exercise yourself toward godliness, so do it over and over and over again. You know, my friend Reggie talking about the, the dog that battles in life that that he feeds the most is the one that wins. So the question for you and me, one of the starting points then is we're going to exercise godliness is what in our life are we feeding? You know, with, with social media, I can go on somebody's Facebook page and I can tell you kind of what part of their life they're feeding. If it's self-centered or if it's Christ-centered. Some people's pages you can go to and it's all about what God did in their life and, uh, and scripture and blessings and, and it just it oozes with godliness. That's just who they are. You know, other people, you go to their Facebook and, and it's all about food. And I look at it and I get hungry just looking. It's one of my friends, Rick Foreman, had a, he had his 4th of July feast that he was about to put on the grill. Oh my goodness, it, it looked good. But Rick will also talk about what God's doing in his life and what God's doing in his church, and it's, it's all over him that, that God is, is all about Rick Foreman and what he's doing at West Lumberton Baptist Church. Other people, you can go to their Facebook pages, and it's just criticizing somebody. It's tearing somebody apart. It's, it's negative. And you, you see it all the time. So... Paul tells Timothy, exercise yourself toward godliness. So which part of your life are you feeding? The godly part or the worldly part? You know, when Kent was doing, first started his, his weightlifting stuff, he, he's different now. He understands things better now. But in the beginning, all the little fellow would eat was grilled chicken and sweet potatoes. Every day he ate sweet potatoes and grilled chicken i love both of those things but i don't want them every day love them but not every day can't we sit there you know um, eating a clean diet you know grilled chicken and sweet potatoes don't put any butter on the sweet potato don't put any seasoning on the chicken and i'm like come on son <laughs> and that's what he did and his point was and he, and he said, when we went off to college, I gave him the spiel about, son, now there are going to be a lot of people around you that are, are drinking, some of them heavily, and they're going to be offering you all kind of things. And, and Kent made this comment. He said, Daddy, as hard as I work to put my body in shape, do you really think for a minute that I would do all of that stuff to undo all of this hard work, all those days in the garage and all that sweat and all those tears? 
And I said, yeah, never mind. Because you're, you're devoted. So as we begin talking about what, what we're going to put in, then you get to the point of there's a difference between making a decision and making a commitment. Now I can decide something and I can change my mind whenever I want to change my mind, whenever the information changes or I just get tired of it. You know, I'm going to uh, you know, wear this shirt and then no, tomorrow I'm going to wear that shirt. And that's the decision. But when you make a commitment... Is so much deeper because a commitment is something you're pouring yourself into. You know, when Kent was, he got in high school, selected a governor's school, and so he went off to, to Winston Salem and he was doing that. And this, and again, he, this was not a healthy commitment he had, this was obsessive. But he got ready to go off and, and he was like, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm not going to governor's school because if I go, I won't be able to lift weights. And I said, you are, and I said, you are, you've lost your mind, son. So what, this is what happened. We took the boy, we ha- I had to call the people at, at Salem College where they were staying and get permission to take his weights and put them in the basement at Salem College so he could go downstairs to lift weights or he wasn't going. Now, I don't, I don't agree with that commitment, but that was his commitment. Now, if he can be that committed to taking some iron and lifting it up and putting it down, that it dominated the decisions he did make in life, that's commitment. And if he would do that just to lift weights as a 16 or 17-year-old boy, how much more should you and I, when, as, as Paul says here, bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. Having promise of a life that now is, so that's this life too now. This isn't just a one day thing. This life that now is and of that which is to come. So if a 16, 17 year old boy is going to be obsessive about lifting weights, why can't you and I be obsessive about being followers of Jesus Christ? of doing what what He calls us to do, of surrendering to Him and being the men and women that He would have us to be. Being committed to godliness and, and exercising it. So how do you do that? If you and I are going to make a commitment to do that, how do you do it? Well, first of all, again, just like with Him lifting weights, it begins with where you are. You start where you are in your walk with Christ and you surrender to Him right there where you are. Lord Jesus, here I am. This is the shape I'm in. You know the shape I'm in and I'm giving you myself completely. I'm surrendering to you completely. I'm yours. And you start right there where you are just like Him with the cheap Walmart weights and then the 35-pound bar. Started where He was. As a follower of Christ, you start right where you are with, with, with this afternoon when we leave here and God lays on your heart that there are some things that he, he wants out of your life, some commitments that He wants you to make. Make them. And this is a long-term commitment. Just Again, just like my son, he had in mind 
what he wanted to be. He wanted to weigh 160 pounds of pure muscle. That's what he wanted to be. It took him about 10 years to get there, but he did it. So when God puts in, in your mind where he wants you to go, make a commitment to it and begin where you are and start moving. What's the, the, the saying, and, and Miss Pam would know, that a journey of a thousand miles begins with a step. Who said that? Do you remember? Yeah, I can't remember, but the, but the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And it does. You know, when you were in literature in high school and, and they told you to you know, write a story and all, and you did like I did, oh, I don't know what to write. And they all, my teachers always said, well, just start. Write something. Write the first sentence. Just begin. And it'll come after that. And I would sit in literature class and think, that is the crazy, there's no way. Yes, way. That is the way it, it, it did. They were correct. When you started putting thoughts on paper, more came. So with following Christ, exercising toward godliness, you begin where you are. Then there are some practices that you do. Now, if you're going to practice, and I talked about sports earlier, think about a musician and some, some young man, young woman, child, they're going to be a virtuoso. They're going to, on the piano or, or any other instrument, they're going to begin by playing scales and arpeggios. That's where they're going to start. And as a listener, you don't really necessarily want to sit there and listen to those all day long. That's not that interesting. But that's where they are in the beginning. That's the foundation. And after they master them, then they move on to some of the, the pieces and the chopsticks kind of things. And then, then they move on far beyond that. The first church I pastored had a, a young man in it named Mitch. Mitch worked at Carpet Stand, made carpet in uh, Lakeview, South Carolina. He was the assistant pianist, and he couldn't play. And I'm not exact. If Mitch were here, I would say the same thing. And when the pianist during the summer, like now, the pianist would miss a lot. She would never tell Mitch. So Mitch would show up on Sunday morning. He, he couldn't play. And so we couldn't sing along with his playing. And, and again, I'm not exaggerating. But he would sit there and he would be humiliated every single day. Well, my wife sat down and started then. There was a, there was a power struggle in the church. Even though my wife was a musician, she wasn't going to, you know, take somebody's spot and all. That's what they wanted. So she started uh, talking with Mitch. Mitch would leave Carpestan in the afternoon at four when he got off. He would come to the church. He would spend four hours a day practicing the piano. It wasn't long when it was all right if the pianist didn't show up because he could play better than she could. And it wasn't too many years later when the Lord called us away and we went to Italy and Mitch in the meantime had become, he wasn't assistant pianist, he was the pianist. 
and we loved having the young man play. It wasn't too much later I was in Italy with the International Mission Board, get a message one day, and they said this. They said, First Baptist Church of Lakeview has hired Mitch as their pianist, which is only a mile or two from our church right there, his neighborhood. So he started where he was. He committed himself fully to the Lord. And, and by the way, he had a godly servant's heart. So regardless of how good he was or wasn't, he was a servant. And I, I was honored to have that young man play even when he couldn't play because I saw his heart and I loved that young man. So you start where you are. If, if you're going to be a musician, you're going to start with the scales and arpeggios. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, it's going to begin with a couple of things. One is prayer. It's going to start with prayer. God, what do you want me to do today? Not just with my life, this journey of a thousand miles that begins with a step. Dear God, what's my next step? Where do you want me to put my, my right foot and then my left foot? What do I do? Which is, That's where Mitch started now. Clink, clink, clink. And then four hours a day of practice for a few years, and the guy was pretty good. Then he got to where you could walk in and on Sunday and say, Hey, Mitch, um, we're going to sing this. Is that all right? Yeah, all right, fine. You know, he, he could do it. So we begin with prayer and Bible study. God, what do you want? And secondly, what does the Scripture say? What are the teachings of Jesus Christ? See, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I can read what God's left us. He's given us directions. In, in Italy, one of my best friends, Renato Scotoni, who was a tailor, you know, made suits and stuff, some fancy suits and stuff. He was a devout Catholic, and one day we were talking, and, and he was talking about life, and I, I asked this question. I said, Renato, what would... What would God have you do and what does Scripture say about it? And he said, I, I wish it were that simple. I said, what do you mean you wish it was that simple? He said, I wish the Bible really did have answers for life. This was a devout Catholic who, who, who devoutly followed their practices and who was trying to follow the Lord. He really was trying. And he said, I wish the Bible really did have all the answers. I said, man, brother, it does. It does. As God applies it to your life and your situation through prayer and through Bible study. But another thing it takes as we're going to practice, we pray and we study God's Word. It takes godly actions. That's one of the exercises. Just like those scales that you're doing. Just like the, the football player that you're going to be out doing the wind sprints. Or those tires, they put the tires out there and they're running through the tires now. Now, how many times in a football game is a, a running back or a, or a wide receiver, somebody's running down the field, there ain't ever going to be a tire rollout on the field that they've got to dodge. That's not the point of it. The, tie, the tire's not the point. The point is the practice of those agility drills. That's what's happening. So when you and I practiced godly living the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control 
when we practice the fruit of the Spirit, when we do those things. And that's, that's, we, in the beginning, we do think about it. But like my, my son now is doing research and he was talking about his research and, and stuff he's doing with mice and he said something about muscle memory. And I said, Kent, now son, you talked about muscle memory when you were lifting weights and doing all that. Now we're talking about mice now. And he said, Daddy, your, your cells in your body have what we would call muscle memory. Your cells in your body are going to react the same way that you train them to react. I said, train them? He, he said, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. By the way you eat, by the way you exercise, by the way you move, you are training the cells in your body, and they're going to react the same way this time and next time. Again, physical activity profits a little. Physical exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. So when we practice godly living, when we make those decisions every day, you know, somebody does something that's rude to you, and how do you respond? In the practice of godly living, you look at them, and as a, as a good southerner, you're going to say, well, God bless you, instead of lashing out at them and trying to win, win the argument. When we're practicing godly living and we see someone that's struggling and someone that's hurting and somebody particularly who's fighting sin in their life, what are we going to do? We're going to go up to them and we're going to walk with them and we're going to help them through that journey. When we're practicing godly living, our Facebook page is going to be the page that somebody goes to when they're looking for encouragement and not when they're looking for garbage on somebody. That they're going to look and say, I'm having a bad day. I'm going to go to Connie Van's Facebook page because Connie always does stuff. This inc- and I don't know if Connie's even got one. Probably he's shaking his head no. But I'm going to go to Connie Van's Facebook page because when I go there, it always encourages me, encourages me, and always blesses me, lifts me up. And having a bad day, I'm going to go there and see what he's got to say. I've got a friend like that, Richard Weeks. If I go to his page, there's scripture all over it. Always encouraging, always uplifting, practicing godliness so that the world can see. Now, if you always go to the My Facebook page, and I'm always on there talking about how the, the waitress at the restaurant or the, or the cashier at Walmart was rude to me and wasn't good, then I'm not practicing godliness. I'm practicing a destructive behavior to tear those people down, even though I don't even probably know who they are. They just didn't treat me right, so I'm going to trash them. So practicing godliness begins with making decisions just like my son made the decision. And many times I told him, not son, it's 95 degrees out here, and all we got is a little pathetic fan in the garage, and it's humid. Don't, just don't worry about it. Skip a day. He normally would not even answer me. He would just turn his back and walk out of the door of the garage. He was practicing something for physical exercise. So when you and I are practicing something for godliness, when we're exercising for godliness, we're going to make those commitments that this is what I'm going to do. When you wrong me, I'm going to treat you right. When you steal from me, I'm going to bless you back. 
When you're hurting, I'm going to lift you up. And then personally, God, when you speak, my answer is going to be yes to you. It doesn't matter what you ask me, dear Lord. You ask me anything. The answer is already yes. You just tell me what the, what the question is. His answer, Lord, if you're asking, is yes. Exercising godliness. There's an, another part of, of exercising godliness that, that I overlook a lot and I pay the price when I do, and that is, folks, we're in this together. This isn't just a solo sport. This is a team game. We are the body of Christ. You and me together. Tom Brady's an excellent quarterback. I don't particularly like the New England Patriots at all. But he's outstanding. But without the rest of the team, he'd get killed. Wouldn't matter. Makes no difference how good he is if the other people don't do their part. It's irrelevant if the the question they ask on the social media is, is he the greatest of all time? I don't know. It's irrelevant without the rest of the team. Doesn't matter. God's put you on a team right here at Conway Baptist Church, and we're in this together. Everybody at this body of Christ is in it together, and we will rise together, we'll fall together. And see, God did that on purpose because I shared my story about when I went running with my friend Lee that time and how he and I were better together. Well, God made you so that you're better with the people who were in this church and this body. We strengthen each other. We sharpen each other. We encourage each other. When we fail, uh, we lift each other up and and we dust each other off. Because I talked about my son the boy was so dedicated to weightlifting, he broke his back one time lifting weights. And, of course, my fir- as, a, as a kind, caring dad, when he came in that day and said, my back was hurting, I said, yeah, I'm sure it does. And he said, what? And I said, I've been telling you that that's way too much weight and you're so hard-headed you won't listen. And he's like, but, Daddy, I'm hurting. And I said, well, let's go to the doctor. And then the doctor said, how'd you do this? And Kent told him the story. And the doctor said, well, eventually, son, something was going to give. And you lifted too much weight, and your back's what gave. And it was a minor thing, but he couldn't lift weights for four weeks. And that started his journey. His senior project in high school was called uh, um, uh, Recovery. And he did a project on how you exercise when you're injured. And now the research he's doing in, in uh, his first graduate studies is how our bodies respond to exercise and different stimuli and how it changes us internally. And it all went back to the day when he broke his own back because he didn't know what he was doing. So, see, God put him, his team included that doctor who could tell him and who could teach him and then other people who, who put around him. Well, spiritually, God's put people around you that can help you, that can teach you, who can strengthen you, but who you can strengthen as well. Exercising godliness. So what happens in the long run? How incredible it'll be when the people of the community look at Conway Baptist Church and you look like one of these people who were just 
spiritually you're just you're flexing all the time because you're just you're you're just built because you've exercised godliness to the point it's evident people take a picture and say oh my you know, look at those guns of somebody who's who's lifting weights well they take a picture of Conway Baptist Church and they say look at those saints of god and you don't even then have to think about it anymore because you've made that commitment and you've exercised godliness to the point that, that God takes control. And your natural response then, like my son said, is about the muscle memory. Something happens and you don't even think anymore. Your natural response is through godliness because it is who you are. Exercising godliness. Folks, it starts with a step. So the question this morning is, where you take that first step? Bow with me together as we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for who you are and what you do. And God, thank you that you use us. We want to surrender to you. And God, we want to exercise godliness in our lives. And, and we understand that that may be different than our world would say, but we want to take that first step and we want to become spiritual powerhouses. And God, make us that. We want to serve you and love you and show your light every single day. So today we're making a commitment to take that first step as we offer this prayer in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our invitation hymn this morning is hymn 296, Jesus is Lord of all. And as we stand and sing, the altars open, the front rows you can sit here and pray. But this is the day to say to the Lord, yeah, the first step, I'm taking it, I'm taking it now. I make, This is a rock-solid commitment. Lord, I'm yours. And I want to show you every day. Let's stand together as we sing. <laughs>